As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. on the scene today with Talk Network Radio. We have a real treat for you just around the corner, and that is Empowered Living with Jeff Bird. Jeff is the owner of Jeffrey Bird Coaching, and he will be coming to you weekly to teach you more about Empowered Living. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeff Bird with Jeffrey Bird Coaching, and this is Empowered Living. And uh, today we've got a topic that I think is going to be very relevant to many of us. I know it is to me, and it's, it's from that experience and where I'm being led that, that I'm speaking. The title of today's show is The Basis of Hope, and it's How to Survive Any Storm. And this is very relevant because we are certainly in a season of storms these days. Uh, some of them are very literal storms. Uh, we've got the forest fires out west. We've had the hurricane come up in the Gulf. We've, we've, we've got literal natural disasters and storms all around us. Other storms are more personal, more internal, more in our lives. And, you know, I'm, I'm known for being a pretty positive guy and I am. But let me tell you, I don't want you to think for a minute that this season has not been without its storms that my wife and I have not been affected. Uh, we've lost numerous family members uh, since the beginning of the year. We've lost my mom. We've had to deal with her estate and various things. There's, there's all kinds of things that are going on. Our work has been turned upside down and there's new opportunities that come up, but they haven't come totally to fruition yet and we're waiting. It feels like a constant waiting state, waiting state, waiting for things to be resolved. And let me tell you, I'm going to be real honest with you, that waiting can get wearisome. Uh, it can be a, a, a soul wearying thing. You, you, you just, you want resolution or you, maybe you want someone back, a loved person or a, or a family member or a friend and maybe it's just missing them and uh but there, there's longings for resolution of things and healing of things that create those storms and we don't know how they're going to turn out and the thing that makes it the worst is we feel we have no ability really to make it turn out the way we want it now i'm not saying we don't have any ability we can choose things we can dwell on certain things we do have some abilities but we don't have that all-powerful, overarching ability to make things just the way we would like them to be. So we're not alone. 
uh, let me just say these type of situations have been going on for a long time, right? And what I want to do today is I want to look at some examples of that. And they're going to be uh, biblical examples because it, it says, uh, Paul says in Romans 15, 4, he says that whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through the patience and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So these examples of people who have been in difficulty, they didn't look around going, what am I going to do? They didn't look within going, oh my gosh, I'm lacking so many resources. They looked up to God and his promises in faith. And we see these things resolve. Now, it's not overnight. It's not in an instance. And I want to look at a few of them with you today. Um, the first one I want to look at is Joseph. Joseph's one of my favorite characters. Um, he was, he was the, uh, the son who was highly favored among his brothers. Uh, he, was, he was Jacob's son. He was the youngest son for a long time until Benjamin came along. But he was the young son. His father, it was the son of his old age. His father really loved him. He showed him special favor. And God even gave him favor. He gave him a dream that the, the sun and moon and stars would bow down to him, that all these sheaves of grain would bow down to his sheep. Uh, and it was, it was, and his family knew it. It was obviously indicating that his family was going to bow down to it. Now he didn't create the dream. God gave him that. Uh, now we questioned whether or not it was wise to share it with the family, but it made the brothers hate him because his father favored him. And he had these dreams that he was going to be somewhat superior. So, uh, they, they hated him and they actually plotted to kill him. But one of the brothers said, no, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit and keep him there. And then as they threw him in the pit, some traders going down to Egypt came along and they sold him as a slave to the slave traders. And they took him down to Egypt and they sold him. Think of the reason for bitterness, right? Um, that, could be, that could be very significant. And, and it could really get a hold on you. You could just dwell on all the wrongs. Well, he didn't do that. Um, even when he was sold as a slave to this man named Potiphar, uh, it says God was with him and he became a successful man. God was with him and he became a successful man, even as a slave, even betrayed, even unjustly dealt with. God was with him. OK, um, but what happened is he became so successful that this guy Potiphar, his wife, was all crazy about Joseph and she wanted to have an affair with him. And Joseph told her, said, listen, you know, my master's put me in charge of everything except for you. How can I sin against God and do this wrong to your master by doing this with you? And he, he fled from her. He ran from her, but she grabbed onto his tunic and then she falsely accused him, took the tunic and said, hey, this Hebrew came into us and uh, uh, he tried to make sport of me and he tried to lay with me. But but I screamed and cried out and then he fled and left his tunic. She falsely accused him. And so now he gets thrown in jail. He got thrown in a pit. He got sold to the slave traders, sold as a slave. And now he's thrown in jail in the dungeon. But Genesis 39, 21 says the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. 
So in all of these difficult situations, in all of your difficult situations, the thing that's vastly important to see is that God is with us and he's extended all kindness to us. Joseph's here in the jail. And then uh, there's two other guys that get thrown in jail and Joseph interprets the dreams. One of them is going to be killed and the other is going to be restored. And when the one guy gets restored, Joseph asks him, he says, hey, do me a favor and remember me and get me out of this place. Joseph's in this situation. God's with him, but he doesn't want to stay there. Many of us are in situations we don't want to be there. We don't want to stay in there. We're very eager for God to move in ways that are beyond us and change our circumstances, right? So he tells this guy this, hey, remember me. So what happens is when he gets restored back up to Pharaoh, right, he's, he's up there and he's back in Pharaoh's house. Now, that's a pretty remarkable thing that he has a dream. A guy interprets it and exactly what he interprets comes true. He gets in Pharaoh's house and he forgets about Joseph for two whole years, at least two whole years. We know that he forgets about Joseph. Uh, that's just incredible. And, and think about that. So Joseph, the first day the guy's up there, he's like, okay, well, you know, he's getting restored. He's probably busy with other things. He, he hasn't had a good chance yet. Next day. Well, he's probably getting to it. He hadn't had a good chance yet. The next day, the next day, the next day. Well, isn't that what the waiting's like? We're, we're just looking for this resolution. And boy, we, we, maybe one thing gets resolved and another thing comes and takes its place. Boy, it's, it, it's been that way recently for me. And I know some of you. You know, we haven't made it out of the one difficulty. God's faithfully gets us through, but, but then, boy, right on its heels, there's another difficulty, right? It's kind of like Job. You know, uh, if you remember all the bad things that happened to Job, he lost his children, he lost his, his livestock, he lost his health, you know, and, uh, uh, and he lost his home. One servant would come and tell him, hey, hey, uh, your children were all having a feast in the house. The wind came, knocked down the house and killed all the children. While he was still speaking, another servant came, said, hey, uh, these raiders attacked and, and took all your livestock, right? And while he was still speaking, another one came and gave more bad news. So it can seem like that one thing on top of the other on top of the other. But we have to remember God's still there. He is doing something often beyond what we see. And one of the things he's doing, one of the main things I have become convinced that he's doing is developing trust. Trust is what was lacking all the way back in the Garden of Eden. They only had one thing not to do, one decision to make, not eat of the tree and eat from all the other trees, the abundance God gave them. And they couldn't handle that. They didn't trust enough for that. God is restoring trust, even when it looks like everything's going wrong. The political climate is, is, is rough. People are going to defriend you if you state your beliefs. That's, by the way, why I don't state anything political beliefs. I just try to hold out truth to build everybody up. I don't want to get defriended by somebody because of what I, what I think politically, which is a very minor thing in my opinion, um, compared to what God's doing. It's important. Don't get me wrong. Don't unfriend me because of that if you're a friend. Um, but I, I don't put any contrary points of view out there, except I learned a long time ago, just put out what can edify everybody. Okay, so God's with Joseph. And then two years later, back to the prison, he's in, in, in jail, waiting, 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 wanting to be out, but God's with him. And two years later, Pharaoh has a dream that he cannot interpret, and none of his magicians and wise men can interpret it. Then the butler remembers, oh, wow, I remember my wrongs today. Yeah, I was in prison with this guy, and he was able to interpret my dream. And uh, here I am today. So you should get him because in him is a spirit of the holy God. <laughs> you know, so Pharaoh brings Joseph out of the prison, tells him his dream. He interprets the dream. 
And then he gets promoted to the ruler of the entire country, second only to Pharaoh, in one afternoon. And he saves, because of the wisdom God gives him in interpreting this dream, he saves both Egypt and what's going to be the nation Israel. He saves two countries in one afternoon because of the wisdom God gave him. He's not looking around to other people. He's not looking to his own wisdom. God was with him. And at the right time, he gave him the wisdom he needed. And it not only saved two countries, two countries that are still in existence today, thousands of years later, uh, but he promotes him to the ruler of the land. And when he would ride through the land in his chariot, everybody would have to bow down to him and show him honor. Okay, so he ends up saving his family. There's a famine back with it where his family is, and they have to come to him for grain, and they think he's long been dead. They don't even recognize him, but they end up bowing down to him just like the original dream. So when God gives a promise, shows you something that he's going to do, no matter how adverse the circumstances that come your way and look like, hey, it's never going to happen, don't give up. Don't give up. Faith never gives up. It it might say, hey, I have no ability of my own to bring this to pass. Uh, I know nobody who does, and I can't control it. But God's bigger than this, and he can control it. And he's going to do what he said he was going to do. Because like one scripture says, he's not a man that he should lie, neither a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? He's going to make it good. That vision that he's given, that word that he's given, his word of scripture that he's given, he's going to do it no matter how opposed to it your circumstances seem. Okay, just like he did for Joseph. Now, what happened is sometime later, we're told that another Pharaoh arose who didn't know Joseph. Uh, Joseph was a big deal to this Pharaoh, but this Pharaoh passes on and another Pharaoh rises to take his place and he doesn't know Joseph. But the children of Israel that had come to live in Egypt, which were his at the time, it was just his family. They became the children of Israel. They prospered and flourished and multiplied and the Egyptians got scared of them. So what did they do? They put them in bondage. They made them their servants and their slaves and they, they subjected them to hard labor. Here they are. They were blessed. Uh, you know, and now, wow, here comes another big difficulty. It lasted for 400 years this time, not two years like Joseph, 400 years this goes on. But here's what it says. They may have forgotten and thought God's promises for them had come to an end, but he didn't forget, right? So it says um, in Exodus 2, 23 through 25, it says that Israel sighed and cried and their cry rose to God. Now, I know some of you, I, I, we're friends on face. I see your post. We've had conversations and I know that this is a season of sighing and crying. I know there are things that are beyond you. There's devastation that's come. There's people that you care about that have made horrible decisions and choices that are making things hard for themselves and everybody and putting themselves in jeopardy. And you wish you could get them to see uh, and make better decisions. That um, You wish you could change circumstances. You wish you could put out the forest fires in California. You, you wish you could restore the damage that's come and everything that's come this year because of the pandemic and the racial tension and the political tension. But you can't. You don't have the power to do it. But God does. But let me tell you, that sigh and that cry that's in your heart, it rises up to God and he hears. And this is what it says about the nation Israel. It says, he heard their groaning, the speaking of God. God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant. He saw the sons of Israel 
and he took notice. And then he came down to deliver them. So let me say this. Uh, he hears that cry. That cry rises up to him. And when you look to his covenant and say, listen, I'm not under the old covenant. Uh, they didn't even have the law yet, but the but I'm not under an old covenant where if I'm good, you're good to me. I'm under the covenant that says I very well may have done everything wrong, which many of us feel very keenly in our own hearts. We may have made bad decisions, but God forgave us all in Christ. He took all of that, every wrong decision we've ever made, every unbelief, and he placed it on Christ. He said, you know what? I'm going to get it completely out of the way. I don't even want to look at that anymore. All I want to see is perfection. And he gave the perfection of Christ to you. Christ took away all the wrong, all the sin, all the misjudgment, all the unbelief. He took it away on the cross and died, which is the result of all those things, not trusting and looking to God. And he gives us all the blessing. And, and it's said over and over again in scripture. It, 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 it's the amazing exchange. And it can see, seem too good to be true. But the thing is to keep looking at it, keep looking at it, keep rehearsing it, keep dwelling on it, keep looking up in faith. And going, I don't have a way out of this circumstance that I so much want to be out of, but you got it. And just like pretty much, I think most of us know the story of Israel. God comes down, there's the plagues, the 10 plagues on, on, on Egypt. And then God delivers them. Pharaoh finally lets them go. And they get to the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea and they all cross on dry land. And then the Red Sea comes and swallows up the enemy that's chasing them. Um, miraculous deliverance that was beyond any of them, but it wasn't beyond God. Nobody saw it coming, but God had it in his mind all along. He knows the way of deliverance. And if you keep looking up and keep looking to him and crying to him and trusting, that day is going to come. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. And like Joseph, we may not know the when. We may be in the dungeon going, wow, okay, it's been a long time. We may be like the children of Israel in bondage. Hey, it's been a long time. But the day is coming and God knows that day. And he's saying, just keep looking to me, keep trusting me and trusting that I know that time and that I'm able to do it because he's more than able. Right. In Ephesians, Ephesians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It has some high and lofty truths in there. But Ephesians 1, 3 says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. Christ, again, he took all of the wrong in this world. Everything you can think about, every contention you see, every mistake you've ever made, everything you haven't believed for, all of the problems you see in the world, he took them all and he gave us his blessing. He, just as he was blessed by the Father, the same way that the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loved us and loves us today. And no matter what's going on in your life, I want you to know he sees you. He knows what, the, what your cry is. And he loves you perfectly. And in Christ, if you look in faith to what Christ did for you without a thing changing on you, that minute you look up in faith and believe, he declares you perfect in Christ. And he says, hey, you're my child. Now I'm going to raise you up just like any good parent raises a child up, teaches them things, trains them, wants them to be like they are, you know, and then gives them the inheritance. That's what God's doing. And it may be through some difficult valleys that we end up looking to him and trusting, but he's going to get you through and he's going to fulfill his word, which is that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And one day we're co-heirs. We're going to inherit all of that with Christ, just as he's lifted up now. So we're going to be too. That's our future. So don't get dragged down looking around you and thinking your circumstances are always going to be all there is. No, there's a future ahead. And you can trust for that future. And, uh, Ephesians also says 
in verse 17, that we have complete forgiveness in him and redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And you, you may think, you may think, well, you know, you, if, if God really knew me, he wouldn't do anything for me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the decisions I've made. You don't know the, the bad things that I've done to other people and how I've looked to them rather than God to meet my needs and how I've used them and, and how I, you know, I, I hate those things, you know, about myself and God must too. No, God doesn't. He hates those things, but he, again, he took them all away. He put them on Christ. And they were already dealt with when Christ died. And now when Christ was raised, you were raised too. That's just the way he sees it. And he sees you raised with all the blessings. Okay. And then um, again, in uh, Ephesians 2, 7, it says that our purpose is that in the ages to come, right? In the age, and who knows how many ages there are going to be, we might be to the praise of the glory of his grace. The reason he's so good to us is not only because he loves us, but in the ages to come, he's going to silence any accusation against his goodness by going, look how good I've been to them. Look how gracious I've been. And we're going to be praising him like, oh, my gosh, you have been good. Just we don't have the words for it. Good is not a good enough word. Um, praise is not a good enough word. Those things, they, they almost come to be cliche. We're going to be like, oh, my, you all have no idea of the depths that he's gone to in being good to me and where he's raised me up from. And where he's brought me to. And in all the ages to come, who knows? That could be billions, trillions. Eternity never ends. Anything that you can think of is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. And in all the rest of eternity, we're going to be going, let me tell you about how good he was to me. Let me tell you about his grace. And we're going to be praising that glory of his grace. And he's going to be forever known through us as to how good he was, right? Okay, so here's, here's some tips I want to give you, a few things. Um, number one, this is a hard one is acceptance of the current situation. If you can't change it, accept it. Let your cry come before God. Not accept it as this is what I'm going to settle for permanently. This is my destiny. It's not your destiny. But just stop striving to make it different and, and giving yourself a, a headache and a heartache. Uh, just go, okay, this is where I am, God. If you choose to keep me here, I know you've got good that you're going to bring out of this. and I'm going to trust you that at the right time, you're going to bring it about. And I'm just going to ah, take a deep breath right here. And this is the cry of my heart. This is, these are my longings. You're going to pour them out to him. Scripture tells us to do that and make our request. I, I request that you get me out of this. Just like J Joseph said, get me out of this dungeon. <laughs> you know, we may request that, but then we're going to trust it. And we're going to accept where we are at the moment and that his intentions for us are good. And then the second thing is we're going to focus. We're not going to focus on those immediate surroundings. We're going to focus on the promises of future fulfillment. Just like Joseph in the dungeon, God had already given him the vision of being the ruler, right? And it's like, okay, this doesn't look like a fulfillment of that vision to me, but I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. And even though it's a process, I cannot understand. And it, this process is hurtful. It's hard. It's difficult. You promised a good future and a good hope. And I'm going to put my thoughts on that. You said it. And if God says he's going to do something, pray boldly about it, you know, because it's something he promised. And he loves if we take him at his word and go, hey, you said you were going to bring this about. I'm trusting you for it. I don't know when. My request is sooner than later, like yesterday. <laughs> but I'm going to trust you for it no matter how long it takes. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. You said it and I know you're going to do it. God loves that. He loves that. And then the other thing is cast your cares on it. 
Uh, we're told in First Peter 5, 6, and 7, cast it, be humble under his hand. Even if we don't understand it, be humble, humble yourself and cast all your cares on him, knowing that he cares for you. Everyone care, every single thing in your heart going, hey, I'm, I'm, I want to give this to you. I want to give it to you. Throw it on him. Casting means to roll off on, to roll it off onto his shoulder and say, this is a burden to me. I'm going to let, I want you to carry this burden. It's too big for me. And I know that you care for me and that you're going to bring it about. So take it. And that's where the peace comes in. And then stay humble, trusting him, like I already said. And then pray for each other. Uh, we're told numerous times to pray for one another. Um, now, in these days, there's so many needs. You might feel like, oh, my gosh, I can never even pray for all of them. I've got a long list of people that I pray for daily. And there's more requests coming in that I see all the time, more, more things. And you can just say, God, take that. I know you've got it. I give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you. I know you know what's best. I don't even have to figure it out to pray it. I know you know what's best. You take this situation and make something beautiful out of it. Take, take the heart of this person, make something beautiful out of it. Give them this perspective, make it beautiful. I, just, I give them all to you. Sometimes in the morning, I, I feel kind of overwhelmed by all the need. And I'll say, all those people that you know are on my mind and heart, I, I, I just give them all to you. And I know you know exactly what to do for them. I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to trust you with it. Okay, so realize that when you can't, he can. You can't, but he can and put it in his hands and leave it there. My grandma used to say, uh, uh, she, had a, she had this great saying, she said, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Just leave it there. Don't take it to your neighbor, don't take it to your brother, don't take it to your sister, don't take it to your friend. They can't fix it either, and guess what? They've got enough burdens of their own. If you take it to the Lord and leave it there, he's gonna be faithful to take what you give him and to turn it, just like, just like that grain of sand, it comes to mind, that comes into the oyster, right? And it's an agitation. It cuts the oyster. The oyster doesn't like it, but it wraps it in this beautiful substance and turns it into a pearl. That's just like what God does with your problem. You, it comes and it cuts at its heart, but when you wrap it in God's faithfulness and his promises, it comes out like a shining, beautiful pearl, which when you hold it up to the sun has all these beautiful iridescent colors and a sheen that nothing else can rival. So that's what God's doing with your problems. Let it be that way for you. And um, uh, there's a verse in Psalm 55:22 that I've been dwelling on for the past day. It says, and David, this was written by King David, under difficult circumstances. He had been betrayed by his own son and the high priest. They were, it was the priest under his kingdom. They had risen up against him, tried to take over the kingdom. He had to flee from his home. His own family was fighting against him. He was living in the woods with his followers. Uh, he had all these problems. Uh, and, and people who he trusted that were really dear friends, they turned on him. Okay, but what he says is, in the middle of uh, complaining about all these difficulties, then he has this beautiful moment of wisdom. And he says, cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. And you may say, well, oh my goodness, I don't qualify for that. I used to read that passage for many years, and I thought, well, I don't qualify for that. I'm not righteous. I know all of my faults. Uh, and maybe that's how you feel. But you know what? In Christ, he sees you as righteous. He says, all his righteousness is your righteousness. All your wrong became his wrong, and he paid for it. All of his righteousness is yours, and I bless you with it. So, uh, and, and to sustain means to nourish, to be present, to provide to uh, guide, to abide, to feed. He's, it means he's going to stay with you and he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to feed you. He's going to give you what you need just at the time you need it as he's leading you forward into a place of the promises and abundance. Um, the, 
uh, one verse I want to give you if, if when you're thinking about, okay, how can I qualify for all these promises and goodness? Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our account. He's talking about Jesus. He knew no sin. He knew no wrong. He knew no distrust, no unbelief, which is what original sin was. He made, before they took the apple, they disbelieved and they didn't trust. Um, he made him who knew no sin to be made sin on our behalf. In other words, for you and me, all of the unbelief, all the wrong, he became that. And then it says, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And then God says, hey, I take all of your wrong away. He becomes that he dies. And then I raise him and all of his perfection, I give to you all the righteousness. So don't look at yourself and rule yourself out. Look at Jesus and rule yourself in because he's the perfect, the perfection of God and the basis on which all these promises and all your identity is hinged. So he's the basis for our hope. The fact that he's placed us in him and he's made us all a covenant, a new covenant based on Jesus, not on our being perfect and keeping the law, but based on Jesus forgiving us and giving us his righteousness. He's made us a promise and he's going to be absolutely faithful to that promise because God is not a man that he should lie, neither a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? And his, he said that in all the ages to come, we will be to the praise of the glory of his grace. So his grace is coming. Look up, wait for it, be still and trust. And your day is coming. Stay in that position and you're going to see things shift in your favor. You're going to see things turn around. You're going to see things happen. And what's going to happen is you're going to change and you'll become a person who can build up other people who are going through the same difficulties that you were going through. And that's going to be worth everything because then when you see, hey, all of this difficulty and trial that I went through, it wasn't in vain. It was to help me to point other people to hope and to Christ and lift them up in the earth. And it's all going to be worth it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Boy, I hope that this brings encouragement, that it brings hope, that it, it causes you to stop looking at yourself and at the circumstances and look up. There's an old poem that says, look around and be distressed, look within and be depressed, but look at Jesus and be at rest. And I hope that today that you'll look up to him, that you'll look to his promises, the ones I've shared, and there's many others that you can find. You can't get to the end of all of the depths of the riches in scripture and the word he's given us to cause us hope. Just like we started with, they're all there to give us encouragement and support and to produce hope in us. Uh, and I hope that that's exactly what it does for you. And I thank you for joining me. I'm Jeff Bird. Uh, I'm with Jeff, Jeffrey Bird Coaching. My email is jeff at jeffbirdcoaching.com. Jeff at jeff, Bird is with a Y, jeff at jeffbirdcoaching.com. Um, I do leadership development, but more and more of what I'm seeing is that the leaders in this age are the ones who are looking up. They're not the ones trusting in their own resources, although we, we have some resources. We can make choices. We can do certain things. But more and more, I'm seeing the thing that's really needed is for people to point people's gaze up and looking at what he, the real leader, is going to do for us as we follow him. That's what real leadership is in this day, is following him and then taking all of his goodness and sharing it with other people. So if you've got any questions, if you've got any comments, uh, even if you've got a great story uh, that you would like to share, uh, send it to me and I'll, I'll look at it and get in contact with you at jeff at jeffbirdcoaching.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. And until next time, God bless you. Keep looking up. Take care.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.